something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've talked about how Jen and Sarah Hart met each other and how they quickly adopted six kids. We've talked about how Jen curated an identity for the family on social media and at music festivals. And we've talked about how the Hearts lived. Now we're going to talk about how they died. This is hard stuff, obviously, and we've spent a lot of time thinking about it. What happened in the week leading up to the Hearts? 561-mile trip from Washington to California. And when Jen arrived at the edge of the cliff, what made her keep her foot on the gas? From Glamour and How Stuff Works, this is Broken Hearts. I'm Liz Egan. And I'm Justine Harmon. We're going to check back in with Bruce and Dana DeKalb, who were the Hart's neighbors in Woodland, Washington. You'll remember they're the ones who were woken up in the middle of the night by Hannah Hart. Shortly after the Hannah incident, they bought blinds and never, ever opened them. Never. closed 24-7. You couldn't see in the house. You couldn't see in their car. They would go from the house to the car and from the car to the house, literally single file. And it was like kind of at a fast clip, almost like running. Jennifer would get out and open the doors. Then they would get out and single file to the house. I was hoping to see Hannah again because I was hoping to get it to her that you are always welcome to my home, that no matter what, feel free to come here. Or have her give me a signal, you know, that she needs help. I wanted to let any of the kids know that, you know, if they need help, just give me the nod. Because I just never felt comfortable about what I was observing. That's Dana, who still teared up when talking about the hearts nearly two months after they died. Even though the sheriff's deputy had told Dana it wasn't illegal to not let kids play outside, 
she still had a bad gut feeling about the family. In fact, she vowed to keep watch on the comings and goings of their cars, on anything she could decipher from the house with the blinds drawn tightly shut. She made sure to take notes of each new visit Devante would make to their house. For months, Dana had only gotten tiny tidbits. Devante's clipped greetings when she tried to intersect him in the driveway on garbage runs. But now, finally, little by little, Devante was opening up. We have to take our garbage cans to the street, and it's a long ways. And so I would watch for the kids because I wanted to try to have a conversation with any of them, you know, but I could never get them to talk to me. And I never saw Hannah. One time, Devante and I, I kind of waited for him and caught up with him. And I talked to him, but he wouldn't answer me. Finally, right when we went to split, um, I said, well, you know, have a good day. And he goes, yes, ma'am. And that was all I got from the whole way up the driveway. He got back up to the house, and I saw Jennifer scolding him. She went inside and left him standing out in the rain. And my first reaction, my gut was, he just got in trouble for talking to me. And then from that day on, we never saw him take the garbage. They did it in the night. I thought, okay, obviously, there's something going on that they've been instructed not to speak with us. From that day forward, Devante, he was the only kid of the six of them that was ever outside doing work. He was raking leaves or hauling things. One day I sat and watched. He carried 10 bags of soil from the front to the back. And I kept thinking, my God, there's six of them. Even if Hannah's too tiny, there's three boys. And Marcus was way bigger than yeah, Devante. Yeah, way bigger. And so it blew my mind. And I sat and watched that thinking, eventually I'm going to see another kid. But I, it only was Devante. When you tell me that the kids chose to live out in the country and want to become self-sufficient, then I would expect to see kids out in the yard planting or enjoying the property. You know, if you want to live like this, you enjoy it. And so it wasn't adding up. My gut instinct still had me on alert. She talked about it forever. I, I was obsessed with she, it. She was obsessed with it. I watched their comings and goings. I mean, I knew when Sarah had a day off. Um, I stalked him essentially because I just couldn't let it go. Aside from a few brief conversations in the driveway, the DeKalbs felt the hearts were avoiding them. But that changed on Thursday, March 15th, 2018, when Devante approached Bruce, who was working on his truck, and asked for tortillas. It was a simple request, like asking for a cup of sugar or a stick of butter, and Bruce was happy to help. That same day, over on Facebook, Jen was celebrating the ninth anniversary of Devante, Sierra, and Jeremiah's official adoption date. She posted six black and white pictures of the kids grinning and wearing cute hats. We won't read the whole status update. It's a long one, too. But the lines you're about to hear are pretty poignant, considering what was about to happen. And considering that Devante might have been asking Bruce for food at the very moment Jen typed these words. I am a better human in every possible way for knowing these children. They have been my greatest teachers. Contrary to the common notion that we can't choose our family, 
we absolutely can. We choose by loving, and that's worth celebrating every damn day. Dana and Bruce weren't friends with Jan on Facebook. In fact, they had no idea she was active on social media until after she died. On Friday, March 16th, 2018, around 9 a.m., they answered a knock on their door. There was Devante, again, asking for bread. This time, Dana was the one who gave him the food. She didn't have bread, so she gave him tortillas instead. The first night, I didn't think anything. When he came back, I was like, hmm, that's weird. Okay. He would kind of watch down the road. He would watch down the road, and you know, but he was only here as, as long as he needed to be. He for, would never come in the house. Yeah, never came in the he house. He would stand oh, out in the rain, no? No, never came in the house. He would not step foot. I'd say, come in, honey, it's raining. No. And he'd be like, he was always really in a hurry. But then when he came back Friday night, it's like, wait a minute, I just gave you like 30 tortillas. I specifically thought, I got to take a step back and just, you know, size him up. He was always dressed in baggier clothes, rubber boots and longer sleeves. You know, I mean, in March, when he started coming over here, it's still wet and cold. His shoulders were super small in comparison to his head. I have little shoulders. He was smaller than me. He was really thin. You know, like his arms were as big as my wrist. How tall are you? Five four. Was he taller than you? Mm, no. Around my height. He was small. The next day, around 5 p.m., Devante was back. He wanted more food. Bruce and Dana tried to get him to stay and talk. Dana was determined to collect information she could share when she called Child Protective Services again. Remember, the first time she spoke to them, after her dad reported the hearts, she was told there was nothing they could do to help. That's when it was like, okay, we got to get details. So every time he came over, I would ask him a little more and a little more, you know. First, it was just about playing outside and, you know, where you were allowed to play outside at your other house. And then it was, what about school? Meanwhile, Jen continued to post about Devante on Facebook. He was one of her favorite subjects. We know that already. Four days after his first visit to the DeKalbs, she shared a picture where you can only see his eyes, brown and smiling. The bottom of his face is obscured by a tray full of dirt and seedlings. The post reads, We currently have 600 flowers slash vegetables growing in the living room before they're moved to the little greenhouse. She goes on to say that the kids are, quote, reading their environmental biology books out loud to each other and to the plants. It sounds like a cozy scene. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. On Tuesday, March 20th, Devante returned to the DeKalb's house twice. Although he still wouldn't come inside, he was at least more forthcoming than he'd been on previous visits. I asked him how he was able to sneak over here. He told me they weren't very observant. Now I've learned that Jennifer was a gamer, a video gamer on computers. And so he came over when she was probably gaming or he would come over late at night when they were probably asleep. Sarah was never home, I don't think, when he made his trips over here. No. She was either gone to work or it was late enough that she would probably be in bed. This made sense. While Sarah was working long hours at Kohl's, Jen was running a guild of video game enthusiasts, sometimes dominating group chats to the point where one dubbed her a stone-cold narcissist. So it seems like there wasn't a whole lot of supervision happening in the Hart House. And the family life Devante described to the DeKalbs bore little resemblance to the rosy utopia Jen described to her fans. They were withholding food as punishment. He would say, well, we're teenagers and we act out and and so we get punished in, in that way. And Dana said, well, there's nothing you could ever do that would warrant someone taking food away from you. I don't care what it is. So to a degree, he he did say we're teenagers and act out, like trying to claim there was some yeah. sort of cause. Yeah, or that maybe that they thought that there was a cause, you know, trying to make it like it was normal somewhat. But obviously it, it wasn't. Just to recap, Devante showed up at the DeKalb's on March 15th, 16th, 17th, 20th, and 21st. He showed up for the last time on March 22nd. He started asking for cured meat and six jars of peanut butter and six packages of tortillas and apples. And then he... (laughs) He goes, and donuts, and he kind of looked, and, uh, and I said, no, I'm not doing no junk food. And he goes, oh, okay. You know, when you say specifically cured meats, and he told us non-perishables. He even said yeah. non-perishables. Non-perishables. I 
can't have anything that's frozen or needs to be refrigerated. It was like, is he gonna run away? Was there like a moment that you felt the pitch change of just like, I'm not gonna be guarded about this anymore. I'm just telling you we're being abused. Yeah, that was on Wednesday when he first started telling us a little more about abuse um, and then asking us, please don't call the cops, told us that everything Hannah told you was true. The things my mom told you were just to make you happy. And it was just like, oh God, I totally bought into it. And I was just like, oh God, you know, just kill me. I said, okay, so why did she run away that night? Because my mom was abusing her. It was just like too much. It had started out just as, you know, a meal here or there, but now it was long periods of time. And then he said, Sarah used to not go along with it, but she is now. You know, I just felt like, okay, now I have enough to get somebody's attention. On March 22nd, 2018, Jen made her final Facebook post. It was a 30-second video of a pair of ducklings, one yellow, one black. We see the ducks splashing together in a bowl of water, cuddling in someone's arms, someone who is white and wearing a gray sweatshirt. Then the ducks are balancing on the back of a rabbit and a cat, and finally climbing over a bowl filled with geodes, starfish, and shells. In the background, we see a woman with long brown hair, wearing a blazer and a t-shirt, probably Sarah on her way to work. It's a peaceful, domestic scene, and the last frame says, Happy Spring, in a jaunty font. The caption, Cuteness Overload Alert. These spring equinox babies have waddled right into our hearts. So much joy in new life. 142 likes, 85 comments many of which were posted after the hearts died. On Friday morning of March 23rd, Dana DeKalb called Child Protective Services to report all of the information she had collected about Jen and Sarah Hart. Officials showed up within a couple hours, but by then, Dana thought every second counted. CPS had been contacted and gone out to see them. When she called me back, she goes, I'm here, but... I can't find you. She goes, well, I'm, I'm up where the, across the street is a bank of mailboxes. I said, okay, well, turn around and I'll watch for you. You know, and then I'll tell you, turn now. So I'm literally standing here watching for her to go by. And I see Jennifer coming down the hill. And I was thinking, ah, oh, crap, maybe the kids were home, you know, alone. CPS could have been here by now. So I watched Jennifer coming up the driveway and I'm like, well, they're home. So I told the lady, turn in. When you come up the driveway, go to the right. She came to my house. So as she pulled up, I, I'm like, you know, giving her the signal to go back. I just motioned because I didn't want to yell, next door, you need to go next door. Because I thought, well, they could be out in the driveway. And so she got back in her car and went next door. She wasn't there very long, and I watched her leave, and I'm like, crap, nothing came of this. 
but they never answer the door. Even if you do answer the door, you can say, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to come back another time. What were your feelings when you actually made the call and reported it? I think I was nervous. You know, I was glad I did it because I got the feeling it had to happen. I mean, I knew it had to happen. Were you worried that they then they would get abused more? Yeah. They, um, I was. That was my biggest fear. But what actually happened was worse. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Dana saw Sarah's car speeding into the driveway, and then, at some point during the night, the car disappeared. As far as Dana could tell, the house next door was completely empty. You just put it together that they had gone on the run. You didn't see them blaze out yeah. or anything. They did. Okay. Well, the rock yeah. wall was knocked over. The end of it was clipped. So mm. they must have they were leaving le- left so fast that they backed over that rock wall and knocked it down. This, you know, that was Saturday morning. Then Sunday, when the car was gone Sunday morning, that's when we said, they're running. They're gone. At that moment, what did you think would be the outcome of this? I guess I just figured they were trying to hide long enough to... Sort it out. Yeah. 
figure out their story. They own the house. Where are they going to, what are they going to do? They got to come back eventually. Well, they right? had chickens still here. Chickens and were, and the animals were all up there. And Sarah's cars. I mean, it just didn't occur to me that this was going to be the outcome. You know, you don't really think about. I didn't think they'd kill themselves. No. In my wildest imagination. Sarah was scheduled to open Kohl's at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. At 3 a.m., she texted coworkers. I am so sorry. I thought I would be able to go to work, but I'm too sick to come in. Sarah's colleague, Cheryl Hart, had worked with her the day before, on that Friday. She says she didn't notice anything unusual about Sarah, at least not then. Her mood that day, I felt, was fine. I had just found out that I was getting promoted, and she had actually known before me. So she was like, oh, I'm so glad that now you know, now I can tell you congratulations and everything. And so she was excited for me. And so we were um, laughing and stuff. On Saturday, March 24th, the Hart's phones pinged off cell towers along the Oregon coast into California. And as you know, on Sunday the 25th, Jen showed up in Fort Bragg on a Safeway surveillance video. She was alone and about 25 pounds heavier than friends had ever seen her, wearing a gray sweatshirt, possibly the same one we caught a glimpse of in the video with the ducklings. By Monday afternoon, Cheryl Hart was getting concerned. Sarah hadn't shown up for work all weekend and wasn't responding to texts, so Cheryl decided to call 911. When she said she was sick, did she say what was going on? Or She just said that she just is unable to, to come out and wasn't able to go to work and thought she was going to have to go to the doctor. Um, I checked the hospital so they didn't have any record of her, and I think her phone is now dead. We were curious about why Cheryl made this call. Justine and I work pretty closely together, and we definitely talk about our families and what we did over the weekend. But I'm not sure I would call 911 if she didn't show up for work for a few days. Can you talk through just why you made the call? Well, so it started because Sarah was sick and because Sarah wasn't answering her phone. So they had asked me how to pull up the emergency contact list because they thought that maybe they could contact Jen. So I pulled it up. They called Jen and left a message. I sent a text message to a co-worker like Sunday night and I said, you know, has anybody heard from Sarah yet? And she said, no. She goes, it's really kind of weird. And I said, that is really weird. I said, she would not miss, you know, two days of work without checking in or anything like that. I'm like, it's so bizarre because Everything that was going on, she still did her job. She still showed up every day. She wasn't late. She still took initiative to get her projects done. She still had great ideas. I mean, she did everything. If you were just to walk in and not know her history or her family or her home life or whatever, you would never have any idea because none of it showed. When she was out on that sales floor, she had that hat on, you know, all of the stuff aside, she did her job. So then we went in Monday 
and we waited until about nine o'clock and she still hadn't shown up by this time the store manager had come in and i had filled him in on everything that had happened over the weekend and was like you know something's going on you know what do we do like well I don't know I don't know if we can get involved or anything and I was like kind of forcing the issue like I think we have to get involved I mean something's going on he had talked to his manager and they said well like give it another hour or so and I was like oh my gosh you guys are being men this is ridiculous something needs to be done so then I figured out that Jen's emergency contact number was actually Sarah's phone number so we didn't have an emergency contact number for Sarah so I finally got the okay to call it in and I made the call and then here I sit today about two hours after Cheryl hung up the phone a German tourist spotted the Hartz tan 2003 Yukon XL upside down at the bottom of the cliff in Mendocino County The police report includes a photo of the car from above, and it looks like it's flat to the ground, with its brown and gray machinery camouflaged by the rocks, sand, and water. When you look at aerial shots of the scene, the car blends in so well, it's hard to see. The bodies of Marcus, Abigail, and Jeremiah were found nearby. Sierra's body washed ashore about two weeks later. A foot presumed to be Hannah's was found nearby as well, But at the time of this recording, investigators were still trying to match it with DNA from a woman claiming to be Hannah's biological mom. Devante's body is still missing. The car's computer showed that, moments before the crash, Jen had stopped on a gravel pullout 70 feet from the edge of the cliff and then accelerated. You might wonder if the brakes malfunctioned, but according to a Carfax report, the pads had been replaced the previous July. Per industry experts, the average brake pads last for around 40,000 miles. So unless the hearts had driven back and forth across the country six times, the brake pads should have been in perfect working order. Meanwhile, remember all that lush greenery Jen wrote about? When the police showed up to search the hearts' house, they found no plants inside. But over on Jen's Facebook, the ducklings continue to splash in their bowl of water. One yellow, one black. The most recent comment comes from a loyal friend wishing Jen a happy birthday months after she died. Next time on Broken Hearts. The kids are skinny. Well, we just thought they were eating organic food. We thought they were all the same age. They were small, so we thought they had to be in kindergarten. Looking back on it, it doesn't look like they were normal kids. They didn't really have friends. Abigail had bruising on her stomach area from her sternum to waistband and bruising on her back from mid-back to upper buttocks, reportedly caused by Jen Hart. For access to exclusive photos and videos and documents about the case, visit Glamour.com slash Broken Hearts. Have questions for us about this podcast? Reach us on Twitter at Glamour Mag or at Broken Hearts Pod. If you like what you heard, leave us a review. Broken Hearts is a joint production between Glamour and How Stuff Works, with new episodes dropping every Tuesday. Broken Hearts is co-hosted and co-written by Justine Harmon and Elizabeth Egan and edited by Wendy Noggle. Lauren Smiley is our field reporter. Samantha Barry is Glamour's editor-in-chief. 
Julie Shen and Deanna Buckman, head up the business side of this partnership. Joyce Pendola, Pat Singer, and Luke Zaleski are our research team. Jason Hoke is executive producer on behalf of How Stuff Works, along with producers Julian Weller, Ben Kiebrick, and Josh Thane. Special thanks to Jen Lance. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.